You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month, and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and e-books. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. Glorious to be with you again, folks. Hello and welcome along to you. I do hope you're all healthy and well and in a swinging mood. Well, here to set you off on your way is Ella Fitzgerald and Buddy Bregman and his orchestra. How many chaps can you fit onto one stage? Who cares when the vibe is this Groovy. Oh dear, I just said vibe and groovy in the same sentence. I truly am as uncool as my kids tell me I am. This can't be love because I feel so well. No sobs, no sorrows, no sighs. This can't be love. I get no busy spell. Stand still, just hear it be. This is too sweet to be loved. This can't be loved because I feel so well, but still I love to look in.
Today, Ella Fitzgerald with Buddy Bregman and his orchestra. Are you still clicking your fingers to that chisel? I want to say chisel. Something in my brain is trying to convince me it means something rude. If it does, then my apologies to all you chiselophobes. Anyway, grand to be with you again. I have some rather good news for all you trivia hounds. I'm going to be hosting a classic movie pub quiz on Zoom on the 20th of March at 2000 hours GMT. That's a Saturday. So if you want to come along and show the world how much you know about old Hollywood and the like, then it'd be great to see you. All you need to do is make sure you're signed up at patreon.com slash attaboysecret where you can also grab yourselves the whole new exclusive secret history series, Queens of Cinema. Yes, the latest episode of that has just gone out, dedicated to the pioneer herself, Lois Webber. Did you know, for instance, that Lois Webber was among the three most popular movie directors during the silent era? Find out why in Pioneer, the Lois Webber story available to all patrons now, plus you get to come to the Weekly Film Club. This week we're watching a movie from 1947 and way out in front of the vote right now is Out of the Past, the classic noir starring Robert Mitchum, Jane Greer and Kirk Douglas. But who knows, perhaps your vote will sway the result. Anyway, as for today's show, we've got more music from Ella coming up, a chance for you to guess the identity of a famous Hollywood legend, kind of. A pair of movie reviews and a stupendous radio appearance from Ida Lupino and Conrad Veidt later. Hi, this is Dennis James again. Say, what do you do when your family gives you a, a bathroom scale for Christmas? Well, Dennis, I make sure they all get ties and socks for the next 20 years of their lives. Isn't that right, everyone? Well, I know what I do, because I can take a hint. It's time for me to start losing a few pounds. And incidentally, I know the way to do it. Hooray! Dennis Diet, everyone, that famous diet. The Special K Breakfast, a mighty appetizing meal, too. You get fruit. Fruit! Kellogg's Special K. Kellogg's Special K! Skim milk. Listen to this banquet happening. Sugar. There's two sacks of sugar, please. And black coffee or tea. You knew that sugar was so low in calories. It must be true. Dennis says so. Dennis doesn't lie. What would Dennis have to gain? I love Dennis. Good, solid food, but a mere 240 calories. Give it to us again, Dennis. You get fruit. You get Kellogg's Special K. You get skim milk. You get sugar and black coffee or tea. You get fruit. You get Kellogg's Special K. You get skim milk. Get sugar and black coffee or tea. This is jam. Actually, I think you'll enjoy Special K even if you aren't watching the scales because it's light and crisp, tastes really good. And when you team it up with milk, you get a healthy serving of complete high-quality protein. Get yourself a package of Kellogg's Special K soon, okay? No. Okay. Well, okay then. Thanks, Dennis, for your troublesome advice. Over now for a guessing game. Slight curveball this time. This is not necessarily a film star. But this person did appear in movies. And you were all almost certainly familiar with this person. So perk up your ears, heighten the senses, listen for the clues, and see if you can tell who the hell is that Hollywood kind of legend. All right, panel, as you know, in the case of our mystery challenger, a different form of questioning. One question at a time, in turn, moving clockwise. And we'll begin with uh, 
Bennett Cerf. Have you ever starred or played a very important part in a motion picture? Yes. Miss Kilgallen? Are you primarily a motion picture star rather than a record star or a television star? Uh-uh. One down and nine to go, Mr. Randall. Have you appeared on Broadway in a play? No. Two down and eight to was go, Miss no? Powell. That was a no, yes, sir. That was a no. Um, are you uh, a New York resident? <clears throat> Three down and seven to go, Mr. Sir. Have you ever starred in a nightclub or at a hotel room? Yes. Miss Kilgallen? Are you currently playing at the Copacabana? Uh-uh. Four down and six to go, Mr. Randall. Are you currently playing in any nightclub in New York or dinner room? Yeah, yeah. Miss Powell? Oh, my. I think I've got it. Are you uh, appearing at the, uh, the Waldorf? No. Five down and five to go, Mr. Oh. Sir. Then I, I take it you're not Carol Channing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. It's a dirty trick. Leaves me out on a limb. <laughs> uh, are you appearing at either the Plaza or the Pierre? Six down and four to go, Miss Kilgallen. Are you playing in Greenwich Village? No. Seven down and three to go, Mr. Randall. There's something we haven't established. Are you a man or a woman? <laughs> this is very difficult to answer yes or no. Take your choice. Uh, the voice could be either. It's a clever job. It, are, are you a woman? Yes. Miss Powell? Oh, my goodness. I thought there were so many clubs that were closed. Um, oh, my. I'm afraid I'm going to have to pass on this. Uh, Mr. Sir? I have the vaguest idea I passed to. Miss Kilgallen? Are you playing in a nightclub which is not attached to a hotel? Yes. Mr. Randall? Do you have a movie now playing in the Broadway scene? Mm-mm. Eight down and two to go, Miss Powell. You're not Sophie Tucker, are you? No. no. <laughs> Nine down and one to go, Mr. Sir. She's always no. working in a club. <laughs> you, you sing blues songs and, uh, and uh, folk songs at all? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I think you're covering one area, but, but we can't give you any more information to say yes. And we karate chopped the sound right there. Did you pick up on any clues? Well, hold on to it for now, and we'll see if you're right later on in the show. For now, though, a little more music, methinks. I feel a sudden urge to sing The kind of ditty that invokes the spring So control your desire to curse while I crucify the verse This verse I've started seems to me The ten pantithesis of melody So to spare you all the pain I'll skip the darn thing and sing the And if you want to go walking, dear, it's delightful, it's delicious, it's lovely. I understand the reason why you're sentimental, cause so am I. It's delightful, it's delicious, it's lovely. You can tell at a glance 
What a swell night this is for romance you can hear Dear Mother Nature murmuring low Let yourself go so please be sweet my chickadee And when I kiss you just say to me It's delightful, it's delicious, it's delectable, it's delirious It's dilemma, it's the limit, it's deluxe, it's the lovely You can tell at a glance What a swell night this is for romance You can hear dear mother nature murmuring low Let yourself go so please be sweet my chickadee And when I kiss you just say to me It's delightful, it's delicious It's delectable, it's delirious It's dilemma, it's the limit It's deluxe, it's the lovely And that was the fabulous Ella Fitzgerald with It's the Lovely, and so are you, Ella. Well, on to our first movie review of today, Creaky Old Bugger, and that statement applies to not just the movie, but also to the title character, Uncle Silas, based upon a kind of mystery horror thriller melodrama thing written by Sheridan Le Fanu back in 1864. Have to say, the movie is both a good example of a mystery horror thriller melodrama thing, as well as a bad example of a mystery horror... You, you get the picture. This stars Gene Simmons, Katina Paxinou, Derek Bond, and Derek Damani. It's all the Derricks, and here we go. I've told you very little about him, Caroline. You, of course, have never even seen him. When I visit him again, you shall come with me. Oh, please, yes. Has crossed my mind before, but only now can I be sure it is safe to take you. Safe? You see, when he was quite a young man, your Uncle Silas was a fine character. Or a trifle worldly, perhaps. Far more so than I, but a fine character. Yes, I'm sure of that. And very handsome. I've always worshipped that portrait in your study. Worshipped? Admired, I mean, sir. We are squarely in the company of young Caroline, played by Jean Simmons, a teenager with stars in her eyes during the 19th century and very much the stars in the sky for her father. Thing is, he has a skeleton in his closet. His brother, Caroline's uncle... Uncle Silas was apparently involved in a great big scandal back in the day. Caroline, because that is how everyone pronounces her name in this film, of course is thrilled to know that she has such a mysterious relative and implores her father to let her meet him. But her father is still working out if he likes him or something. Anyway, Caroline also finds herself being governed by a new governess, Madame La Rougère, played by Katina Paxinou who, between lessons, is very fond of terrifying Caroline to her very soul. Oh, Papa, it's Madame de la Rougier. What do you mean? Madame is a foreigner, she may appear a trifle eccentric at times. She frightens me. Frightens you? She finds you backward, no doubt, and scolds you. Is that the trouble? No, Papa. Then what is? I cannot explain, sir. That is mere stubbornness. The truth is that you set your heart against Madame from the beginning. No, sir, no, I... All of a sudden, Caroline's father ups and dies, or down and dies, really. He dies anyway, and Caroline finds herself shipped off to stay with her Uncle Silas, played by Derek Damani. You're a young lady now, no longer a child, no more lessons, no more governesses. <coughs> no, that's all past, isn't it? Uh, yes. This house and estate are yours. 
and entire freedom to come and go as you please. Oh, I know I'm going to be happy here. I hope so. Great rambling, ramshackle houses it is. Yes. You keep one wing closed up entirely, I hear. I do, yes. How came you to hear of that? Your butler informed me. Oh, did he? Uncle Silas is a fun uncle at first. He's a funkle. That's a real thing. But then weird things begin to happen. His sort of pervy son starts to make overtures towards Caroline. And then Uncle Silas begins to let slip that not only might he be guilty of the scandal he was involved in, but that he also might be planning another scandal. He's basically thinking about killing Caroline for her inheritance. This is a problem I had with Uncle Silas. Honestly, the first part I understood quite well. But halfway, I struggled to keep hold of all the loose ends. Second half, not a Scooby-Doo what was going on. He sends her away or something. Then he arrives to where she is now and starts to kill her, I think, but not straight away. And then she says she won't tell anyone. But then she, no, he, thinks she will, but she doesn't. She does write a letter, but that gets intercepted. So she gets sent away again. And the governess comes back. Then I think she escapes, but into a room where the old scandal happened. Then she gets rescued. Then a man gets run over by a carriage. Then a man dies by sitting in front of the fire. Honestly, I couldn't really understand this. Is is that being made apparent enough to (laughs) you? It's very odd because while I didn't really get what was going on, I can't say I didn't like going on it's kind of like when you watch the big sleep you have zero idea what is happening but you can't stop watching because bogart and bacall and martha vickers and dorothy malone that's why kind of the same thing here it's very well presented it looks like a very expensive movie and gene simmons is really quite terrific as the terrorized teenager there's a scene where she's flung about by the governess that's actually made me wince in pain and Katina Paxinu is the stuff of nightmares. For whatever reason, the filmmakers seem to have travelled through time and tapped into modern horror sensibilities with her. She appears at a window, shrieking like a banshee, and it's blood-curdling. And then she grins and sort of crawls towards the camera a few times, and your skin crawls with her. She's absolutely terrifying, and I couldn't get enough of her. Derek Damani as Uncle Silas. Firstly... Never bought that he was supposed to be a spidery old man. I spent the whole film just frowning at his cheap jack makeup and wig. But how great it is to see Derek Damani in anything other than young and innocent. How odd it is for a Hitchcock hero to have so ably vanished into obscurity, yes? This is the young man you love from young and innocent here as an old murderer. How the mighty have fallen, etc. Also stars Derek Bond, too, as the romantic hero. Here's a fun fact. Well, I say fun. I bought a postcard once, and it was signed by Derek Bond. Well, I took it to the counter, and I paid £4 for it, I think. And then when I paid, I told the guy behind the counter that he just sold me a Derek Bond postcard for £4. He replied, and I quote, If I'd have known that, I would have charged you £3. My apologies. Funny guy. Well, I'm the one with the Derek Bond postcard. Who's laughing now? He is. He's still laughing. It's terribly, terribly impenetrable in terms of story, but Uncle Silas is ferociously watchable. I did like this. I just didn't get it all the time. But I think that's more because it seems so faithful to that 19th century literary sensibility way of telling a story. Not because it's failed in some way as a movie. 1947's Uncle Silas. Really liked it. Can't promise that you will. Check it out. Maybe you can do a better job of reviewing it than I can. 
Back to 1942 now, though, for a glossy melodrama starring Joan Crawford, Melvin Douglas, Conrad Veidt, Osa Masson, Reginald Owen, Albert Bassaman, Marjorie Maine, Donald Meek, and Henry Danielle. Yes, very much the star-studded attraction this time for MGM's A Woman's Face. You have been called to testify in this case in which the charge is murder in the first degree. The Crown versus Anna Holm, alias... Uh... Alias Ingrid Paulson. Alias Ingrid Paulson. What you may testify on the stand will determine whether the defendant goes free or pays the extreme penalty. We open at the beginning of a criminal trial in Stockholm, where the mysterious Anna Holm is being tried for murder. As the witnesses take the stand, we begin to piece together the circumstances behind the crime, beginning with the fact that Anna has long been embittered against the world due to her extensive facial scarring. Hello, what's this? Mind your business. When did this happen? I said, mind your business. My dear young woman, this is my business. Anna, unable to integrate effectively into society because of the way she looks, has taken to a life of crime, heading a gang of petty criminals carving out a living by blackmailing the rich and upper class. Her latest blackmail victim is Vera, the vain and faithless wife of Dr. Segert, played by Melvin Douglas, who's been carrying on a series of affairs behind his back, leaving behind her a trail of incriminating letters. Anna attempts to blackmail Vera with the letters, but is caught by her husband, Dr. Segert, one of Sweden's most prominent plastic surgeons, who makes Anna an irresistible offer. You couldn't fix this. I bow to the superior judgment of you two eggs. Don't, don't! I don't. It won't be any joke for you either. I warn you now, it'll mean pain, agony, weeks, months, and then perhaps failure. Perhaps leaving you worse off. Worse off? Then what? You know, I might. I just might. Anna is desperate to fix her face and achieve the beauty she feels she's been missing her whole life because she's fallen in love with society cad Torsten Baring, played by Conrad Veidt. After a series of painful operations, it looks as though she may achieve her dream. But suddenly, out of nowhere, Torsten reveals the real reason he's been romancing Anna. My uncle has a grandson aged four. A charming little brat. Rather frail. If the child lives, he inherits everything. And if he doesn't live? But my dear girl, whatever are we thinking of? Those are the falls on my uncle's estate. Very swift, very dangerous. I had a letter today inviting me up there next month for my uncle's birthday festival. I hadn't planned on going, but if there were someone there I particularly cared about, I... Perhaps the boy's new governess. My uncle has asked me to recommend someone. You don't know anybody, do you? No. I think you do. Absolutely adored this movie. This is a remake of a 1938 movie which starred Ingrid Bergman in the Crawford role. Haven't seen that one, have to admit. But it's generally regarded to be the finer version of this story. Who knows? Maybe I'll feel the same when I've seen it. That said, I was not left wanting in any way by this story. 
Truly one of the most involving and psychologically authentic stories I've seen in a while, headed by a fearsome performance from Crawford, who was warned even by Louis Mayer himself that playing such a bitter character and spending so much of the film wearing some very effective makeup might well adversely affect her career going forward. In fact, it did the complete opposite. It proved that Crawford was one of those stars who was willing to put aside the gloss and the artificiality of Hollywood in order to play the ugly side of life from time to time. She credited this film as relaunching her into more serious, dramatic roles. It helps that everywhere you look in this thing, there's another face you love. My standout is Albert Bassaman, who plays the loveliest man in the universe. You'll know him as Van Meer in Hitchcock's Foreign Correspondent. He's like a walking cuddle in this. Just want to muss up his hair, pinch his cheeks and go, shushy, shushy you. George Cukor directs the absolute hell out of this too. It's a splendidly adult tale packed with a witty gallery of villains, double-crossers and wannabe angels. I'm having a bit of a love affair with 40s gloss and melodrama right now and this is one of the finest examples. And the chase at the end is genuinely knuckle-biting stuff. That's 1941's A Woman's Face. Go check it out. And if you can't be bothered to slide off that sofa and over to your film collection, then sit right down again and let me present the tale to you now. The Lux Radio Theatre mounted a version in 1942, bringing back Conrad Veidt in his original role, this time starring alongside Ida Lupino in the Crawford role. So relax and let's swoon on over to the Lux Radio Theatre right now for their version of A Woman's Face. See you afterwards. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Ida Lupino, Brian O'Hearn, and Conrad Veidt in A Woman's Face. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. The power of a woman's face was best described by a man. It was the poet who called the lovely visage of Helen of Troy the face that launched a thousand ships. For Helen's beauty had caused a war and altered the course of history, just as the faces of women ever since have changed the destinies of men. You'll hear a story about another such woman tonight, finally acted by Brian Ahern, Ida Lupino, and Conrad Veidt. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's powerful screenplay, A Woman's Face. The course of a man's or a woman's life is determined by strange things, like the facial scar which has warped the soul of the woman in tonight's play. But the story of her regeneration is stranger still. I think it's a kind of drama which will thrill every one of you, and that's a big order, for I'm constantly amazed at the far corners into which Lux Flakes reaches to bring this audience together every Monday night under one roof. For instance, here's a letter from a lonely corner of the great western desert. A lady writes, You can't know how much the Lux Radio Theater means to us out here. My husband works in a tungsten mine in the desert. And since that's a war metal, everyone is working very hard. You are just about the only contact with the theater we have, because our nearest town is 60 miles away, and the road isn't very good. Naturally, our trips to town, we stock up on the things we need. So when we buy Lux Flakes, we get enough at once to cause quite a snowstorm in this desert if they should ever get loose. Thanks again for your plays and for your fine product. We salute this family and millions of others who are doing their part without benefit of fanfare. Certain time comes now for a woman's face. And here's Act One, 
starring Ida Lupino as Anna Holm and Brianna Hearn as Dr. Sager. Conrad Veit, who is making the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer picture Above Suspicion, will play Torsten Barring. Royal Swedish Court of Stockholm Criminal Division is now in session. The case of the Crown versus Anna Holm, the charge, murder. Anna Holm, alias Ingrid Paulson, is on trial for her life. With a prison matron at her side, she stands before the judge. She's dressed in deep black, her face hidden by a heavy veil. A man has been killed. And here once again is enacted the ancient ritual of trial by jury. Here once again the state will demand the ancient forfeit. An eye for an eye, a life for a life. The clerk will summon the witnesses. All witnesses, <coughs> Bernard Dalvik, restaurateur, Christina Dalvik, Mistress, Emma Christian-Slaughter, housekeeper, Herman Rundvik, waiter, Vera Sagat, housewife, Gustav Sagat, doctor of medicine. <coughs> You witnesses have been called to testify in this case in which the charge is murder in the first degree. The Crown versus Honor Home, alias... Alias Ingrid Paulson. Alias Ingrid Paulson. You will now take the oath. Do you each and severally solemnly promise and swear by God and his holy scriptures to tell the truth withholding nothing and adding nothing as God is your help in life and soul? I do. First witness, please. Herman Runbeck. The other witnesses will retire until they are called. Your name... Herman Rundvik, Your Honor. You're acquainted with the prisoner? I was, Your Honor. Your occupation? I... I am a waiter. Well, Mr. Rundvik, your testimony, please. Well, I, I don't rightly remember what date it was, but I know it was night. Uh, it was in June, just a little after midnight. This place where I worked was called the Café Spotterdam, and I was... Who was the owner of the café? That woman over there was the owner, Anna Hall. Go on. Well, I was waiting for the last party to leave, Mr. Torsten Barring and some friends... I heard Mr. Barring talking to Mr. Dalvik, the manager. It seems there was a little trouble about the check. So you no longer wish to extend me credit? Mr. Barring, please. I have offered to sign a check. Isn't that enough? Mr. Barring, if it were I personally, you could extend credit. You own the place, don't you? No, unfortunately, I'm only the manager. Then tell your employer that I want to find out why the name of Barring shouldn't be good for credit at a miserable after-hours roadhouse. We're not operating this miserable roadhouse for the benefit of names. Even the name of Barring. Oh, are you the proprietor? In a way. You must excuse me. I didn't expect that a woman, especially such a young and charming woman, uh, have you something in your eye? Why do you say that? Pardon me. I thought perhaps uh, the way you are holding your hand over your face. Are you sure there is something? We were talking about your credit, Mr. Barring. So we were, and yet I wish you would let me help you here. My, my handkerchief is clean. Just take your hand away from your face a moment. I don't need your help. Oh, please. All right. There. There, it's out. Now, isn't that better? It's a trick I learned from a friend of mine. She had beautiful eyes, too. Did she? Herman, let me have the check. Yes, madam. I'll sign it for Mr. Barring. Enter it as a charge against me if he doesn't pay. Yes, madam. This is a most generous gesture. I never make generous gestures, as Mr. Dalvik will tell you. At any rate, thank you very much, Miss... Miss, um... Home. Anna Home. It's a name which might be of some assistance to you. Oh, really? In certain quarters where the name of Barring has perhaps lost its magic. Good night, Mr. Barring. Good night, Miss Paul. And is 
that all you can testify as to the defendant's behavior that night? That, that is all, Your Honor. She signed a check for Mr. Barring, and he left. In your own opinion, why did Anna Holm make this gesture? It was very obvious to us, Your Honor. For the first time in her life, a man had looked at her uncovered face without a shudder. He pretended not even to notice it. Explain that, please. Just what was wrong with Anna Holm's face? It was on the left side, Your Honor, from the outer edge of the eye to the upper lip. A long, red, jagged scar. Next witness, Bernard Dalvik. Mr. Dalvik, you were the manager of the cafe owned by Anna Holm. That is so, Your Honor. You were friendly with the defendant? We all were, Your Honor. Uh, whom do you mean by all? The employees of the cafe? Yes, Your Honor. Your Honor, the prosecutor for the Crown can very easily explain that. Well? The Crown will prove, Your Honor, that the cafe was really just a blind for their activities. Bernard Dalvik, Christina Dalvik, Anna Holm, and the waiter Rundvik were engaged as a unit in the very profitable occupation of blackmail. The Crown will have the opportunity of proving that later. Mr. Dalvik, what was the relationship of the prisoner and the man tossed and barring? Well, sir, we might refer to the relationship as romantic. Anna had never known love before. She became almost gay. She bought new clothes. One afternoon, shortly after, she came to our office in the city. She'd been outside. Good afternoon, Anna. We've been waiting for you. I've been shopping. Oh, my dear, what a becoming hat. Beautiful, Anna. A whiff of spring. I know you dear, sweet people are lying. But even the moths were set up with my other hat. Oh, my dear, you never look prettier. Never. That's enough, Christina. What's on for this afternoon? Dr. Sager is coming. The woman who wants her letters back? Sager. You see her, Dalvik. And get a good price. Don't I always? If you need me, I'll be in my office. But I imagine you can... What's the matter, Anna? Who put this here? Who put a mirror on my wall? Why, Anna, we... How dare you? Haven't I forbidden the mirror ever to be hung in this place? Haven't I? Anna, we you were You dirty, only... foul, lonesome swine! Anna! Now get out! Get out, both of you! Dalvik, Anna, not so much noise. She's here. She's just outside. Who is? Mrs. Dr. Sager. She's very pretty. Beautiful. Dalvik, go and talk to her. Of course, Anna, but I... Did you hear me? Yes, Anna. Good afternoon, uh, Mrs. Sager. How do you do? My, uh, my masseuse directed me here. She implied you might understand my particular problem. Yes? I, I don't quite know how to begin. Possibly I may assist you. Are you married? I'm very happily married. My husband is a saint. Oh, to be sure. But you see, some letters of mine were stolen. Some letters to your husband? No. Huh? Oh, he's so stupid. Your husband, Mrs. Sager? No, no, my friend. The one I wrote the letters to. He lost them. Now some stranger keeps telephoning me about them. Why should he do that? He wants 5,000 kroner. Why, that's out-and-out blackmail. But what shall I do? I haven't 5,000 kroner. My poor dear woman, perhaps I can help you. I have an acquaintance who might contact this blackmailer and perhaps in view of the circumstances ask for a reduction. Oh, thank you. Excuse me, my secretary wishes to see me. I'll be back directly. Well, Anna? I've been listening to you. Reduction, you fool. Now, Anna, a little milk of human kindness. Shut up. I want 10,000 kroner from that woman. Ten? You said five. I want ten. What's the extra five for, Anna? Because she's pretty. The extra five's for me. You mean you won't divide? I mean just that. I take 7,000 kroner for myself. And I want it tonight. Make an appointment for me to see her at her home. Anna, what's happened to you? She's in love with Torsten Barring. She wants evening gowns and furs and perfumes. Listen, Anna, love is a beautiful thing, but you You'll can't... do as I say or I'll do it alone. 10,000 kroner. 
tonight. Yes? What is it? I have an appointment with you, Mrs. Sager. Come in, please. We can talk in this room over here. Is there anyone else in the house? No, the servants are out and my husband's left in at medical school. You, you may sit down if you wish. Why do you stare at me like that? You're very pretty. Oh, thank you. I believe that you have something to... to sell me? Yes, I have something to sell you. I hope I can afford it. Oh, I'm sure you can. The price is 10,000 kroner. 10,000? But you can't this afternoon. He said five. This afternoon he was mistaken. You have jewelry worth much more. You wouldn't take my jewelry. It's from my husband, and I loved him more than anything in the world. He... That isn't the way you described him in these letters to Eric. Give me those letters. Get back. Give them to me. I'll have to shoot you to make you understand. <gasps> Sit down. Such silly letters. Such childish writing. Such cheats. You call these love letters. You ever read any real love letters? George Sand, Keats, Browning... Do you know anything about love in that miserable soul of yours that dribbles itself into these letters? Can you imagine loving a man so greatly, so completely, that you'd give everything you have just to be near him, just to have him near you? Well, that's love as I know it. As you know it. You love it. You love it. Shut up. I'll take that necklace. I'll get me the rest of your jewels. And don't try any tricks. Still one more letter in the safe. Hurry. Very well. Listen. Vera. It's Gustav. Your husband? Oh, Vera, I'm back. Go into the library. There's a window facing the street. Please. I'll come again tomorrow. Oh, quickly, please. Vera, are you home? Uh, yes, dear, I'm here. Oh, well, I wasn't as late as I expected to be, was I? No. I'm glad you're home, Gustav. Oh, what's the matter? You look pale. What in the... What was that? I... I don't know. It came from the library. I'll take a look. No, Gustav. Well, what have we got here? A visitor, eh? Now, don't move, please. I can't. I... Gustav, what is it? It's a visitor. Evidently trying to get out of the window. Unfortunately, the table was in the way. Uh, Vera, turn on the lamp. Oh, she, she's been hurt. She must have fallen. Now, what's that in her hand? Isn't that your necklace, Vera? Yes, I... Y yes, it is. I'll take that, please. We found it on the street, I suppose. Came in the window to return it. Stand up. I can't. Oh, you can't, eh? Well, perhaps the police will help you. Now call them, Vera. Oh. What is it? My ankle. Well, we'll take care of it. Vera, I asked you to call the police. Yes. Yes, why don't you? Gustav, darling. <coughs> darling, would you laugh at me if... Oh, she seems so miserable and we're so happy together, you and I. Couldn't we... Couldn't we let her go? Oh, really, Vera? You get quite sentimental at times. Maybe it's because next week is our anniversary. Oh, splendid. Shall I give her the necklace, too? Oh, well, let's fix up the ankle first. I'll get the bandages, darling. Oh, and uh, bring some tape. If I do let her go, you know, you can thank her. Bless her dear sweetheart. Now, try to get up. Yep. <clears throat> there we are. Now, just sit down there for a minute. We'll need a little light. Yeah, that's better. Now then, um, if you'll place your foot... Hello. What's the matter with your face? Stop looking at me. Take your hand away. Mind your business. Take it away. Aha. Uh -huh. 
When did this happen? I said mind your business. My dear young woman, this is my business. Hmm. Be ashamed to send a scar like that to jail. Wouldn't matter. I've served 22 years already. No. Where? Wherever I am. 22 years, eh? You must have been just a child then when it happened. A rather beautiful child, I should imagine. <laughs> Isn't it a pity? Now the little girl is just a thief. Yes, it is a pity. And do you want to know something? You're not as tough as you seem to be. No, of course not, Dr. Fagus. Shall we talk about love and poetry? Bandages, Gustav? Oh, thank you. Uh, get my book for me, will you, Vera? Uh, that is over there on the desk. Yes, Gustav. <clears throat> well, Vera, this young lady is interested in love. <laughs> as who isn't? Now, look. Yeah, here's a man you ought to meet. Splendid chap. Now, take a good look at that picture and notice particularly that most of the skin is torn from his face. Not very pretty, is it? Now, we'll turn the page. And that's the same man. Although you wouldn't know it unless I told you. See, there's not a mark, not a blemish. I did that job in the hospital last March. Here, this, this girl. She's my particular pride and joy. She had a horrible scar on her face. Almost as bad as yours. I've had enough of this. Either let me go or call the police. No, not just yet, please. Vera, look at her face. Gustav. Look at it. You know, Vera, there's one man in Europe could fix that. No, Gustav, oh, not you. Mm-hmm. Nothing like having your wife's complete confidence. You couldn't. You couldn't fix this. Well, I bow to the superior judgment of you two experts. Don't joke. I don't. Won't be any joke for you neither. I warn you now, it'll mean pain, agony, weeks, months of it, and perhaps a failure. Perhaps leaving you worse off. Worse off? And what? You know, I... I might. I just might. So that someone could look at me. So that I could look back and see in his eyes... something besides horror. Gustav, listen to me, please! Please, Gustav, you mustn't do it, you Crown wish to place any other witnesses on the stand? Not at the present time, Your Honor. Will the prisoners step forward, please? Oh. Take the stand. Your name is Honor Holm? Yes. Do you, Honor Holm, solemnly promise and swear by God and his holy scriptures to tell the truth, withholding nothing and adding nothing, as God is your help in life and soul? I swear. In your examination before the police, you are unusually frank. I trust you will speak with similar honesty here. Tell your story, if you please. I was born in the North. We were very poor. My father was a brilliant man, but he drank constantly. One night when I was five, he was too drunk to know he set fire to the carpet in my room. When he came to, he saved me, but not himself. Twenty-two years after that, I cursed him for saving me. No one could look at me without loathing. There was no place I could work. And then I met Torsten Barry. For the first time, a, a man had... Well, you've heard about that, did not you? The very next day, I received an opening, an invitation to come to his apartment. That was before Mrs. Sager came to your offices in the city? That was before anything, except my first meeting with Torsten Barring at the roadhouse. He met me at the door. He raised my hand to his lips. 
Come and sit down. No one saw me come here. That's a pity. It would have added to my reputation. Reputation is what, Mr. Barring? As a most fortunate man, please, your court. No, I'll keep it on if you don't mind. But I do mind. Last night you were the proprietor. Tonight you are a guest. Thank you. When I came to your door, I heard someone playing the piano. Mm -hmm. You are interested in music? Yes. Piano? Oh, piano, among other things. Chopin? Yes, the early Chopin. Before he was made soft and sentimental by George Sand. Mm, that's very interesting. Have you read the love letters of Chopin and George Sand? I've read every love letter ever published. I find they're all very much the same. <laughs> Why did you send for me? I wanted to speak to you, Anna. Did you? What sort of dirty work do you want me to do? But my dear Miss Horn, you were talking about music. I was invited here for one purpose. See no reason for pretending any other. Might we not argue about that perhaps over a glass of wine? No, I don't drink. It's dangerous in my vocation. Restaurant people? No. Blackmail. Hmm. I like you, Anna Holmes. We are very much alike, you and I. We are both proud. Both wretched. What sort of trouble are you in? I don't think I'm in any trouble now, Anna Holmes. You might just be some kindly deity's answer to my prayer. Maybe the devil's answer. Very well. The devil's answer. <laughs> Friendship with Thorsten Baring? Yes. Your Honor, I protest in attaching the sacred name of friendship to this relationship. You are madly, insanely infatuated with this man, weren't you? I loved him. Love. He owned you, body and soul. No. Tell me this. You submitted to an operation on your face, didn't you? Yes. Because of him, wasn't it? Yes. So that you could better assist him in your criminal pursuits. No. You know that. That wasn't the reason. What was the reason? Well, I... I, I wanted... Your Honor, please. Oh. You wanted to look like other women, didn't you? Yes. And you wanted to be like other women. Not walk and twist and bit. Yes. There's no proof of that. Did Thorsten Baring take you to the hospital? No, I went alone. Did Thorsten Baring know you were at the hospital? I was alone. Nobody knew. Anna Holmes, tell the court, please. How many operations did you submit to? Answer, please. How many operations did you submit to in the hope that the scar which you bore from childhood might be erased? There were 12 operations. One every month. For a year. moment, Brian Ahern, Ida Lupino, and Conrad Bite will return for Act Two of A Woman's Face. Now, I want to give the men in our audience a warning. Here's the kind of thing that may happen to you any day now when your wife comes home from shopping. Look, darling, look at the lovely house coat I bought. It's made of rayon and milk. Oh, very pretty. It, it's made of rayon and what? Milk. But you can't wear milk. What happens when you wash it? Well, the girl who sold it told me all I had to do was to lux it. It's all true. And here's our fashion reporter, Libby Collins, to tell us more about it. Actually, this wonderful new fiber is made from casein, one of the things in milk. It's usually combined with cotton or rayon to make stunning warm materials with a soft, wool-like texture. Many can be washed, 
if you use gentle luck. And if it seems odd to be wearing and washing milk, remember lots of the lovely rayon fabrics that luck so beautifully are made from little pieces of wood. And those sheer nylon stockings of yours started out as coal, air, and water. Lux is ideal for washing the wonderful new man-made fibers because it's so very gentle. Safe for anything safe in plain water. Smart stores everywhere advise it for all their fine washables. Yes, all fabrics are precious today. The new ones and the old standbys, too. Cotton and linen and wool. They must last and wear longer than ever now. So don't risk harmful alkali or cake soap rubbing. They can make your pretty things wear out before their time. For all your nice washables, dresses, blouses, sweaters, the children's things, stick to care you know is safe. Gentle Lux Flakes. It's care experts advise. More makers of fine washables advise Lux Flakes than advise all other soaps combined. Now, our producer, Mr. DeMille. Act two of A Woman's Face, starring Ida Lupino as Anna Holmes, Brianna Hearn as Dr. Sager, and Conrad Veit as Thorsten Barring. Anna Holmes, alias Ingrid Paulson, continues her story. On the witness stand, her face still heavily veiled, she tells the court of the pain and suffering she endured. Twelve operations in twelve months, hoping to be rid of the jagged scar which has tortured her soul since childhood. Since I entered the hospital, I've never seen my face in the mirror. I always banded it across my cheeks and my eyes. And then one day, I knew the time had come. The day that was to mean failure or success. The day the bandages were to be removed. For the last time. morning. Well, how do you feel? It, it is today, isn't it? Yes. A nurse is stand by, will you? I'm going to remove the dressing. Yes, doctor. Wait. If it isn't a success, I, I want you to know that oh, I... Don't spoil it. Don't spoil what? Home since the first day I met you, you've presented to me a perfect picture of the most ruthless, cold-blooded creature I've ever met. It's been a picture which has fascinated me, but now, unless I miss my guess, you were about to say something sentimental. Something about gratitude and so forth. Well, don't. All right. Now, as I was about to say, I unveil my Galatea. Oh, my Frankenstein. Let's get it over with, please. I tell you, Franklin is home. I'm a bit worried. Worried? Why? Well, if this operation's a success, I've created a monster. A beautiful face and no heart. A distinction, I suppose. For all other women with beautiful faces. <laughs> well, we'll remove the bandages now. Don't move. I said, don't move. There we are. Oh, just one more. Ah. Hmm. Well? Interesting. What is it? Well, why don't you tell me? Is it still there? Oh, please tell me. I'll let you see for yourself. No, sir. Give Miss Home a mirror, please. The nurse handed me a mirror. And for the first time in a year, I looked at my face. Miss Home, will you remove your hat, please? 
Vanderdale? Yes, Your Honor. Now face the court, please. It is evident that the operation was successful. There isn't a mark on your face now. No, Your Honor. Miss Holmes, will you tell the court exactly how you felt when you realized the scar was gone? Uh, I felt... It's hard to say. It was like being reborn, wasn't it? Yes, that's... I left the hospital, a new person. A new person? <laughs> Not quite, Miss Holmes. If the prosecution will give me time. The prosecution wants to know if it isn't true that Miss Holmes, upon leaving the hospital, went at once to see Torsten Barry. Yes, I did. Yes. Go on, please. I went to his apartment. I hadn't called or written to him for years. Not really, after this long silence. Well, I've been in Switzerland. Am I welcome? I've brought these flowers. Even without the flowers, you would be welcome. Sit down, my dear. You know, you were the first person to ever bring me flowers. Now we are even, we are counted flowing. Is that what you'd wish? I wouldn't blame you. Well, I hadn't expected that my partner would be quite such a silent one, but there must have been some very good reason for your not writing. Yes. As a matter of fact, there was. Will you take my hat, please? Mm -hmm. It seems a little, uh, a little unfair to. Well, what's the matter? Why do you look at me like that? I just feel please. Turn this way. Let me see you. Yes, your eyes are even more beautiful than they were before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy, my dear. I can't tell you. Here, sit down, sit down, please. This call is for music. When I am I'm very happy or very sad, I must have you. <laughs> tell me, why didn't you write from Switzerland? The operation hadn't been a success. I was going to disappear anyway. What's that you're playing? Oh, an old weaving song. I heard it first up at my dear uncle's estate at Forza. It's nice. So is my dear uncle. Is he very rich? Oh, very, and quite old. I see. He gets it when he dies. Oh, there, my dear, you present an extremely interesting problem. My uncle has a grandson, age five, a charming little brat, rather frail. If that child lives, he inherits everything. And if he doesn't live? If he doesn't live... I only ask. What if the child doesn't live? Well, then I would inherit it, of course. Here, let me let me show you some pictures of the estate. This is the house, and these are the waterfalls nearby. Very high, very swift, very dangerous. And there's a little passenger car that travels across the falls on a cable. The little boy is very fond of riding in the car. If his governess should ever be careless, let go of his hand, it would be too bad. By the way, I had a letter from my uncle inviting me up there. He also asked me to recommend a new governess for the boy. You don't know anybody, do you, Anna? No. Are you sure? It would feel very well and make me very happy. No. Yes, yes, partner. You would be a beautiful governess. Who took the job as governess, Miss Holmes? Yes. You went there to kill that child. She doesn't have to answer that. The prisoner will answer. Did you go up to Fossa with the purpose of doing away with that child, Lars Eric Baring? Yes. Go on. I went up to Fossa in November under the name of Ingrid Paulson. It was evening when I arrived. 
Tolston Barring's uncle took me up at once to see the child. He was already in bed. Come, come. You wouldn't want Miss Paulson to think you didn't know your prayers, would you? Hmm? What to hear my prayers, Miss Paulson? Oh, yes. Yes, please. All right. You too, Grandpa. Me? Oh, of course. You start, huh? Go on. Now I lay me. Now I lay me. Uh, let's see. What's next? Down. Down on a tuffet? <laughs> no, no. That's little Miss Muffet. Oh, I've got it. Now I lay me down to sleep. That's right. I pray the Lord. My soul to keep. If I should die. Before I wake. I pray the Lord. My, my soul, soul to, to take. take. Amen. <laughs> That's the boy. Now, come on, into bed with you. And tomorrow, Miss Paulson will take you to the falls. Sleep well, my boy. Good night, Miss Paulson. Good night, Consul Barring. Good night, Claus Eric. Miss Paulson, wait. Yes? You didn't kiss me. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that better? We're going to have fun, aren't we? Good night, Claus Eric. Good night, Miss Paulson. Pleasant dreams. Pleasant dreams. He didn't go to the falls the next day. Not the day after that. The child had grown very fond of me. And, and I... And you had grown very fond of him also. Is that what you mean? Yes. <laughs> go on, please, Miss Holmes. I think the court would like to hear how your subsequent actions bore this out. They were very kind to me at Fawcett, the child and the old man. On the night of the consul's birthday party, I was invited as a guest. Torsten Barling had arrived, and we danced together all evening. Then later, the consul brought another guest to meet me. Here he is, a modern miracle. Dr. Gustav Sagert, away from his office. Dr. Sagert. Good evening, Miss Paulson. Good evening, Doctor. And my nephew, Thorsten Barry, Dr. Sagert. How do you do, Dr. Sagert? I think I've had the honor of meeting your wife. Is she with you? No, my wife is traveling. I've just been admiring your dance, Miss Paulson. You'd think she'd been born right in this district, wouldn't I, you? Indeed, yes. But Consul Baring tells me that you've been in Switzerland for the past year. Oh, Geneva mostly. Do you know Switzerland? No, no. I, I've never been there, unfortunately. Consul Baring. Yes, Emma? If you can interest yourself in the other guests, they're almost ready for the Grand March. Yes, I'll be right there. Uh, you must help me, Torsten. Yes, certainly. Thank you for the dance, Miss Paulson. I leave you in good hands, Doctor. Come in the other room. I want to speak to you. Well. Well, what? Well, my cold-blooded, ruthless little Galatea. I can't tell you how relieved I am. Here, come over here in the light. I want to see your face. Ah, uh -huh. good. Very good. So that's why you're so relieved. No, only partly. You had me worried. Imagine looking fearfully in the papers each morning to read of some outrageous crime committed by my beautiful Frankenstein. <laughs> and now I find... You find what? Well, perhaps you could tell me. No. You're the expert. Turn on your lights. <laughs> Unfortunately for humanity, the light hasn't been invented yet that could look into that interesting heart of yours. But perhaps I could issue a preliminary encouraging bulletin. Encouraging? Yes, uh, tentatively. Let's say that the patient has had the intelligence to find a place where her past life can't tempt her. And the courage to go where her new name might really mean a new life. And let's say 
that my hopes may have begun to be justified. Because I know about your intelligence. I've seen your courage. And I have hoped. You're very kind to me, Doctor. Everyone is so good and kind to me. Why, what's the matter? First it's the old man, and then the child, and now you. Can't you all leave me alone? The next day, the child was burned. It wasn't my fault. I was treating him under the ultraviolet ray, and I, I left the light on too long. I called Dr. Sagert at once. How long has he been under this lamp? Four minutes over. It's hot, Miss Paulson. My face is hot. Is this his first treatment? No, third. What happened to you? Well, Doctor... It was I... my fault, Doctor. I called Miss Paulson out of the room. It's unfortunate that she went, Mr. Baring. Well, the boy isn't in any pain. Is it bad, Doctor? No, it isn't serious. First degree burns. But another four or five minutes. Who directed you to give the boy these ultraviolet treatments? The local doctor. It's for his sinus. I see. Get me some oil, please. Yes, Doctor. I have it right here. Shall I put it on? Yes, yes. Then can I go skiing this afternoon, Doctor? Well, I don't see why not. Oh, thank you. And please don't be cross with Miss Paulson. She didn't mean to. No, no, I'm quite sure she didn't. Uh, I'll look at him again tonight. Thank you. This probably explains why doctors are always such welcome guests. Yes, yes, possibly. Keep him well covered if he goes out. There, now. Get your clothes on, Lars Eric. Come, dear. I've got first-degree burns. The doctor said so. Yes. Hurry and get dressed before you catch cold. All right. I'll hurry, Miss Paulson. <laughs> Why do you laugh? Your solicitude for the boy's health is most admirable. He might have been scarred for life. For life, did you say? I don't quite understand. Oh, Torsten, do I have to reassure you every moment? Do you have to follow me around with a whip? For heaven's sake, Torsten, give me time. I cannot give you any more time. I have none to waste before tomorrow night. Before tomorrow night? Why? Because... Because that's the way I want it. Miss Holmes, what did Torsten Baring mean? He... He wanted me to. He wanted you to kill the child. He gave you until the next evening to do it, and you agreed. Yes. But I, I tried to argue with him. I couldn't. Why not? Well, I thought I was in love with him. But it wasn't love, I realize now. But it was the only thing I'd ever known. The witness will stand down. Stand down, please. Clerk. Yes, Your Honor. Call Dr. Gustav Sagert. Then you assume, Dr. Sagert, that Baring rushed matters because he thought you were suspicious of his actions. Well, let us say that he was suspicious of me. I, I didn't like him, I'll admit that, but I had no real grounds for suspicion. It, it was the girl I was worried about. After the incident with the ultraviolet lamp, I felt that I should warn the consul, and yet I, I wasn't sure. I wanted to give her every chance. But that afternoon, while I was skiing, I happened to come home by way of the fall. Were you alone? Yes, I was looking for Miss Holmes. Why? I wanted to talk the whole thing over with her. Did you see her that afternoon? Yes. I, uh, I saw her... In the passenger car that traveled across the falls. Go on. The, um, the child was with her. I could see them very plainly through my binoculars. She was sitting in the car, very still and very straight. The child was standing on the seat beside her, leaning over the edge and looking down at the falls. How high was this car? Oh, about, uh, about a thousand feet, I should say. They were moving very slowly, almost over the center of the falls. 
something. The other governess I had never let me stand up on the seat like this. She always made me hold her hand. But I'm not afraid. Are you afraid, Miss Paulson? Look, Miss Paulson. I can lean way over the side. See? See, Miss Paulson? Look at me. Look. No. Give me your hand. Miss Paulson. Give me your hand. Do you hear? Give me your hand. Now hold on to me. Hold on tight now, Derek. Hold on tight. <laughs> Pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. of A Woman's Face, starring Brian Ahern, Ida Lupino, and Conrad Veidt, after a brief intermission. Now, let's pretend we can see around a couple of corners and through the walls of Patty's house. Hello? Oh, Aunt Helen. I'll call Mother. What did you say? Oh, I'm sorry I sounded like that, only well, Bob is home on leave, and, and I was hoping I'd hear from him it's hard to wait and hope for a call that doesn't come. And it's even harder to realize that maybe you're the one to blame. You see, dates and romance come to girls who have charm. And one of the most important parts of charm is daintiness. Unless you're sure that everything you wear is always fresh, you can't be sure of daintiness. So don't take chances. Lux under things after every wearing. Dresses, blouses, and sweaters often. If some good friend would only give Patty a hint, chances are that when her phone rang... Hello? Oh, Jack. Why, I'd love to, only, well, Bob is home on leave and I've promised... Oh, that would be lovely. See you next week, then. Goodbye. That's the way with Lux girls. They know the importance of daintiness. And that daily luxing for underthings not only protects charm, but helps to keep them lovely longer, too. Rich, lukewarm Lux suds take away soil and perspiration so very gently, with no harmful alkali. No cake soap rubbing to injure fabrics or colors. Precious fabrics last longer, wear better with this gentle Lux care. Now, Mr. DeMille returns to the microphone. After the final curtain falls on tonight's play, Brianna Hearn has an interesting story to tell about flying. Don't miss it. Now, the third act of A Woman's Face, starring Brianna Hearn, Ida Lupino, and Conrad Weiss. Dr. Gustav Sagert is still on the witness stand. In a quiet voice, he gives his testimony. A testimony which will decide whether Anna Holm shall live or die. Then I saw her take the child in her arms, holding on to him tightly until the car had crossed over the falls. Did you inform Counsel Barring of no. what you had seen? No. Why not? Well, I saw no reason. I, uh, I was ashamed of my suspicions, and I felt that the danger to the child was... Only my imagination. I see. Your Honor, may I interrupt this testimony? You say you are a scientist, sir. I am a doctor, yes. And a doctor deals with facts, not with emotions. Isn't that true? Yes, so far as possible. So far as possible. Tell me this fact, Dr. Sagan. When you saw the prisoner in the car reach for the child, did she of her own free will decide not to kill the child? 
Or did she refrain from that act because she was aware that you were watching? You have heard my testimony. Yes. And I ask that it be stricken from the record. On what grounds? On the grounds that this scientist's vision is so obscured by emotion as to make any of his so-called facts completely unreliable. What emotion, please? The emotion of love. This witness, a married man, is in love with a prisoner. Dr. Sagert, you have the right to deny this charge. I have no reason to deny the charge. Recall the defendant, Anna Holmes. One moment, please, Your Honor. You're a married man, Dr. Sagert? Yes. In love with another woman? Yes. Is it true that before you fell in love, you had discovered grounds for divorce against your wife? It is true. That is all. Thank you. Now, Miss Holm, will you tell the court what happened after the episode in the car? I... I returned to the house. All that evening, I avoided Toston Barling. But he was watching, waiting for a chance to speak to me alone. The next evening, we were all to ride in sleighs to a nearby tavern for dinner. I'd just finished dressing when Toston Barring came to my room. He was angry. You disappoint me, Anna. I thought you had something different, something strong, rare, something above a stupid, ugly, commonplace world. Oh, Toston, I'm a woman. You fool, you coward. Do you want to sink back into the mob, into a dull, safe mediocrity? Is that what you want, safety? Is that what happens when the scar is healed? That one gets fat and forgets? Yes, Anna, you are a woman, but you are something more. Or at least I had hoped you were before this heavenly transformation. I could kill that doctor. What? Before you had changed my partner into a dove, a tame, cooing dove, soft, and heated full of love for a fellow man. I once knew the real Anna, the hard, shining brightness of you. There have been women like you before. They became conquerors, queens, empresses. Oh, Torsten, this is 1942. Oh, I apologize. I forgot this is 1942. Yes, the spirit of love has triumphed. No, no, Anna. The times are ripe, And I could be... I could be greater than any barring has ever been or ever will be. You don't know me, Anna. No, no one knows me. I have played the charming fellow, the amiable fool, because I was waiting. I was waiting to find someone like you who had also been cheated. Yes, Anna, you were cheated when you were given that scar. And I was cheated when a boy was born to take away from me what was mine. Money, power. Power, Anna. Power, Anna. And I, I could use this power. What others have done in other countries, I can do here. Because the world belongs to the devil, and I know how to serve him. If I can only get the power. The power. Let go of my arm. You're hurting me. Am I? Forgive me. I hope I won't have to hurt you again. was mad, insane. He left the room laughing, his eyes wild and fearsome. When I thought his sleigh had gone, I went downstairs, but I took a gun with me. I was to ride in the sleigh with Lars Eric, and I was afraid. 
Hurry, Andrews. We're ready to leave. Where's Lars Eric? Lars Eric! Has the first sleigh gone yet? Lars Eric! Are you riding with me, Miss Paulson? I, I don't know, Doctor. I can't find the child. Lars Eric! Lars Eric, where are you? There's no use calling him. He's already gone. Gone? Can't. He was supposed well, to. He was gone, just the same. He left in the first sleigh with Mr. Barring. Oh, no, no. What's the matter? Doctor, say that we've got to find them. Follow him. Follow him. <laughs> Hurry, Doctor. Faster, please, faster. Is the boy with him? Yes, I can see him. They're going towards the falls. He must be drunk to travel at this speed. He'll turn himself over. He isn't drunk. He's insane. I found out this afternoon. Insane? He's going to kill the child. That's why he's going to the falls. Oh, can't you go any faster? You're gaining on him. If he reaches the falls before we do... Hold on. Don't stand up. He knows we're following him. He's looking back. Torsten! How far is it to the edge of the falls? I don't know. Less than a mile from the house. I think we're almost there now. Now come up alongside him and turn him into the snowbank. You can't. He's at the edge of the road. You'll go over the cliff. Torsten! Stop! Stop, Torsten! We're almost up to him. If only I can get on the right side of him. There's one way to stop him. Pull up as close as you can. What are you going to do? As close as you can. Hurry. Don't lean out like that. What are you... What's that? Is that a gun you have? Yes. Torsten! Torsten, do you hear me? Stop the sleigh! Stop! Put that gun away, you little fool. Torsten! Sit down. Torsten! I'm warning you. I'll kill you if you don't stop. I'll kill you, Torsten. Anna! I told him I did. I told him. I warned him. And I shot the second time. Torsten Barring fell out of the sleigh and into the gorge sleigh came to a stop near the edge of the falls, and the child was safe. I knew what I was doing. I knew there was a chance that both of them would be killed, but I fired the shots. It was the only thing I could do. Are there any more witnesses? No more witnesses, Your Honor. You may stand down, Miss Holm. The court decrees that the case of the Crown against Honor Holm is suspended for consultation. <laughs> Dr. Sagett, will you come with me, please? Miss Holm would like to speak to you. Thank you for coming. You wanted to see me? Yes, I... I wanted to ask you if... if you meant what you said. On the witness stand? I must have meant it. I was under oath. As God is my help in life and soul. As God is your help. You'll need it. Will I? Where's your mind, Doctor? Why don't you go now while you still have a chance? Go. Run. Don't look back. Why must I go? You couldn't love me. You don't think for a moment I've changed from what I was. No, not changed. No, of course not. I'm ruthless. Cold-blooded. You told me what I was. That wasn't you, Anna. It never has been you. That's why I told the truth. I am in love with you. Well... There's nothing you can do about it. You ask me to marry me. No. No, you must. Do you hear? Why not? Because I want so much to be happy. I want to have a home and children. I want to belong to the human race. Oh, I want to belong. Judge will see you now. Get his verdict. 
Krista, will you come with me? Will you stand beside me? And he tells me. I'll be there, darling. Don't you worry. Judge is waiting, Miss Holmes. I'm ready. Home versus the Crown, the defendant charged with murder in the first degree is hereby adjudged not guilty. And that was the Lux Radio Theatre's wonderful adaptation of A Woman's Face, starring Ida Lupino and Conrad Veidt. Lovely. Just time to see if you managed to guess who the hell that Hollywood legend was. Uh, are you playing in Basin Street East? Are you Ella Fitzgerald? Yes. Oh! <laughs> It was the star of today's show, the dame who sang to you twice, Miss Ella Fitzgerald. You see, I leave breadcrumbs at every turn. Did you get it? I'm sure you did. Before I go, don't forget to get yourself signed up at patreon.com slash attaboysecret so that you can swing by for the classic movie pub quiz. All the details are there, plus film club every Sunday, plus bonus reviews every week and radio shows and movie commentaries and previews and queens of cinema, plus access to all the older Secret History of Hollywood series. Go to www.patreon.com slash attaboysecret or look for the link in the show notes of this episode. That is all from me for this week. I'll be back in a day or so with a bonus edition for patrons, but until then, take superlative care of yourselves and those you love. And bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month. And in return, you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and ebooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.